Hello everyone and welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast. This is episode 7. Today's an interesting episode because we actually recorded half of the podcast at the LA Auto Show when we interviewed BMW MCEO Marcus Flash. So the first half is going to be that interview in LA and the second half will just be um, me kind of talking to you about what we learned that day. So listen up. So Marcus, thanks for having us. Uh, really appreciate it. It's a great show. Uh, we've already seen some spectacular M cars today. Uh, M2CS has been uh, my personal favorite and probably a lot of people. So let's just lead with that and then we talk about the other M products. It's mostly an M show in my opinion, which is great. Um, tell me, uh, what's your personal take on the M2CS? What makes it so special? Why we should be excited about it when it comes to market next year? Well, the M2 is special for multiple reasons. The M2 is probably the most condensed and distilled M car that we have in our lineup. Um, we decided very early in the project that we're also going to do a manual transmission because uh, many enthusiasts nowadays still demand it and I think it's, it's going to stay that way. And then on the other hand, we are launching this car together with the race car. The M2 CS Racing will be the yeah. basis for customer races and club racing and uh, this is going to be an even more important pillar in our lineup for M. Gotcha. So let's say that I'm an M2 competition customer. Uh, if I were to look at an M2 CS, what are some of the reasons that would make me want to buy it, like in your opinion? Well, first of all, it's, it, it feels different. It's a different car. We, we tuned the chassis to the high performance tires to the, the semi slicks. Uh, it feels differently. Yeah. The, the suspension is different. The exterior is very much different with all of the carbon fiber that we that we put on this car with the bonnet, with the air outlet, the, the, the carbon fiber sandwich roof. The seats are different. Uh, I don't know where to stop. It, it comes with carbon ceramic brakes. Yeah. The competition doesn't. Yes. Uh, we have an, uh, a very specific rim to it in, in matte gold. Uh, yeah, there is loads. Okay, Even the exhaust yeah. is different. Sounds, sounds a little bit better than the M2 competition. Louder. Sound will be better. Yeah, yeah, perfect. I mean, I personally, my highlight, it's really, really the, um, the carbon uh, roof, uh, especially since it's not easy to get it installed by like a dealer. So it's kind of nice to have it come from the factory. So that's a huge selling yeah. point. So that's kind of nice to see it. Um, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think overall the car looks really, really sporty. Uh, I guess some questions that I keep seeing, you know, were mostly like, you know, have you had a chance to like time it on the Nürburgring? Is there, is there something that you plan on that doing? Or maybe... You know, the Nürburgring times are always being quoted everywhere because everybody loves, you know, those those times. And is that something that you've done or are you planning on doing? Uh, we are going to disclose something, but uh, it's too early. Okay, gotcha. And when it comes to the weight, um, are there any weight savings over the M2 competition? Um, bottom line, the car is pretty much uh, at the same weight if you don't um, equip it with the carbon ceramic brakes. The carbon yeah. brakes bring about 25 kilos down. Gotcha. Uh, the reason for the car being same weight uh, to, to the competition is the additional stuff that we put in. Okay. Yeah. okay. And um, what would be your um, ideal color combination? Like, how would you spec your own M2CS? The M2CS comes in four colors. Yeah. Uh, we have the Misano blue that is on display. We have sapphire black, uh, Hockenheim silver, and then we have also Alpine white. The rims come in gold or in black, so I like the all black. Yeah. I like the black with gold. Um, Misano, for me personally, I'll probably also specify with golden rims rather uh, with black rims rather than the golden rims. And you can do the classic version of Alpine white and gold that always works. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's multiple choices. I'd probably go for the old black. All of the old black. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, and. Um, 
so the car comes to the market next year. It's uh, around 2,200 units, right? I think that's what the global number is. And um, I guess it will be available in all the markets, basically. So Yes, it okay. will be. Okay, perfect. All right, so um, let me just tell a little bit on the topic of the uh, manual, right? Um, do you expect to have like a high take rate on the M2CS on the manual? Depending on the market, uh, the strongest market for manual is the US. Yeah. And yes, there will be a significant take rate, otherwise we wouldn't have decided to develop this variant. Yeah. Uh, there is no reason for performance to go for manual transmission nowadays. The car isn't any, any quicker, but it adds so much character to the, to the vehicle. And I personally, I'm also a big fan of manual transmissions. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's good to hear. I mean, that's one topic that uh, has been over-discussed over the last few years. And I think it's great because you see all these uh, sports car companies, you know, uh, kind of moving like away from the manual because probably the development costs are, are still high to have two transmissions. So, yeah. you know, I guess a lot of, you know, enthusiasts and BMW customers probably appreciate the fact that you're still, you know, listening to their, uh, you know, voices and uh, still offering that. So that's good to hear. Yeah. I mean, M stands for performance, but M also stands for character. Yeah. And there is, I'd like to, to compare it to watches, right? Yeah. There's no reason to buy an automatic watch. It's not more precise than an Apple Watch would yeah, be. Exactly. But uh, it's, it's, it's cool and it's interesting to have touchable and feelable mechanics. And yeah. even more so in a very powerful car. I mean, 450 horsepower, yeah. manual stick shift. It's just a very special, yeah. very, very special experience. And yeah, we want to we wanna keep it. Okay, perfect. And the, the other premiere here in LA was the uh, M8 Grand Coupe. Um, one of them was the first edition, which is quite quite spectacular. I think it's uh, painted in the diamond green. We call the the paint job Aurora Diamond Green, and Aurora it's green. Uh, okay. the, the exact same color as the M8 Grand Coupe concept awesome. that we showed in Geneva last year. Okay. And tell me a little bit about the uh, the headlights. I noticed that they're actually yellowish. Yeah. Um, how does that work? I mean, it's it's a it's a signature element that it's well known from our race cars. The M8 GTE races with yellow Corona rings in the headlights, yeah. and we found a way to also homologate it for street use. Okay. Um, the the lights will turn to white. The, the Coronas when when driving yeah. and uh, in the in the firing up position, the welcome light installation, and when the car's parking, they are yellow. I think it's a great design clue. Yeah, I love good. the looks. Yeah. So do you think the uh, uh, M8 with the four-door will be the most popular uh, out of the all three models? Yeah, it's the sweet spot. The M8 uh, is a Grand Coupe, coupe is the, the sweet spot of the lineup. And the reason why is that people love to, to, to buy sports cars, but then not everybody uh, makes a, the, the buying decision by himself. <laughs> Many yeah. uh, have influence of, 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 of other family members in their yeah. buying decision. and. With the M8 Grand Coupe, there is very little compromise that you're taking because uh, as soon as you're behind the wheel, you you can absolutely not feel how, how long the car is and how large of a car you, you, you're driving. And uh, on the other hand, uh, you can fit in a, a mountain bike if you if you fold the rear, rear seats. You, you can fit in two or three kids even in the back. Yeah. So it's... It's it's the sweet spot, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it looks great, honestly, uh, especially that color combination. It's uh, And that's a BMW individual color, right? Yes. Okay, perfect. All right, so let's talk about the last two members of the M family here in LA, which is the X5M and X6M. What do they bring new to the table? The X5M and the X6M in the third gen generation. Um, I mean, we pretty much 
carried over all of the technology from the M5 and not from the M M8. Yeah. Uh, the, the engine uh, boasts 600 uh, or 625 horsepower in competition. Yeah. Um, what we've done differently in the exterior is that we differentiated the front of the X5 and the X6 significantly from each other. So in the rear view, you'll uh, immediately uh, see if, if uh, X6 or X5 is behind you. I think that was necessary, we learned from the past. And other than that, also the driving uh, in between, the driving experience in between X5 and X6M is a little bit different. The seating position is a bit different. So I think there's, it's a very nice proposition. Yeah. Not just for design cues, but also uh, for for drive and feel. Yeah, and from the official specs, I've noticed that the uh, performance is kind of mind blowing for such a large SUV. I mean, we've come such a long way where you know you have a big car, but it's still so powerful, and uh, and I'm assuming it still drives really well. So I, that's something we'll find out next year. Yeah, but um, I think cool. the three point eight is the is the figure zero hundred. And, but as you know, M is not just about longitudinal performance. The car handles phenomenally, and it's yeah. it's also got great endurance. Uh, yeah. we've, done, we've done multiple fast laps on the Nordschleife with the car yeah. like this, and it's it's just fascinating. I'm assuming that's another uh, time lap that we should find out, like one day how fast they are, like in compared to regular, you know, a small sports car. That would be very interesting. All right, so that's that's cool. Let's let's talk about the future of M, right? So, I mean, we've we've talked before, and, and I've seen many interviews with you mentioning, you know, uh, the future of M. I mean, clearly we're moving a little bit like away from pure cars that, that we've had like in the past. How do you see the future of M like, as far as like hybrids? Is that an intermediate step towards electrification? Uh, why would people still be interested in a in a brand that has been, you know? Uh, associated with performance all the time and noise and engine and all of that. So how would you change that perception and still have people interested in the M cars? Well, first of all, uh, the guiding principle is that we will only bring technology as soon as it's ready and as, as soon as the customer experience is superior to the predecessor. Yeah. As soon as uh, a car with any new technology outperforms the predecessor, it's ready for the market. And yeah. I'm not going to mess with this because we have a very strong promise to our existing customers. That's the one thing. The other thing is that uh, we believe in the power of choice yeah. and there will not be a one-fits-all global powertrain solution okay. that fits every market and every segment. So I believe and I'm uh, very convinced that for a, a long time we will see the technologies, the existing technologies and new technologies in parallel and uh, we will make business decisions uh, on which segment and in which market we offer which solution. The, the good thing about M is that we are an, an independent company within BMW and we have freedom of decision, but on the other hand, we have a big shelf of technology and we can make the decisions uh, based on what makes sense for us and yeah, we tune the cars and we will hone them to the uh, in the same way as we did today. And uh, yeah, I'm confident that we will fulfill our promise also in the future. Yeah, sure. So, so you think that in 10 years from now, let's say that we hypothetically end, like, end up with an electric M car, would that still be very emotional? Could that still connect to the, to the driver and to the customer, even if there's no sound? Absol absolutely. I mean, sound is one thing, but um, you know, sound on the exterior will be limited anyway yeah. by regulators uh, because people in, in, in the city in don't like noise. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's quite obvious. We will have cars with plenty of sound for track use for club sport. Yeah. 
And on the other side, uh, talking about the experience of, of battery electric vehicles, I have driven development cars that uh, are just mind-blowing in terms of performance and I'm not just talking acceleration. Yeah. I'm talking about driving dynamics, cornering uh, in a different level and yeah, for me electrification offers more chances than risks. Gotcha. So um, I've been doing this for such a long time so I was just thinking right now that um, you're the fourth CEO that I've been interviewing you know, over my uh, career and I've asked every single one the same question, right? I mean, standalone M cars, everybody wants to see one day that particular car. And you mentioned in some interviews about standalone M cars. Is that yeah. something that you're like seriously considering? Is it something that you're actively looking or is it just something that you want to explore like in the future? No, we're seriously considering standalone M cars. I can say that. I, I, I can't disclose on uh, which segment we're gonna sure. uh, put this but I believe that there is a market uh, for standalone M cars. Yeah I mean that's great I mean people honestly have been waiting for something like that for quite some time so uh, hopefully, hopefully one day it's gonna be pushed through and we can see something I mean it's such an emotional brand it's sporty brand so it's, you'll be cool to I see I just that. started. I know you just did but uh, <laughs> uh, you'll be cool to see that in a few years but um, let's let's move like like probably the last topic that I wanted to talk to you about and it's uh, you know the M3 and M4 Clearly, we're still about you know a year and a half, probably like away 2021. Sometimes, uh, without getting into specifics, you know, um, what do you think the customer will love about that car, or or should it be excited about the new M3 and M4? Like aside from all the design speculations they've been put like, like put around and all of that, I mean that's one thing. But let's talk about like performance-wise. Is that something that people should be excited about? Definitely. I mean, M3, M4, it's the legend. And design-wise, you just mentioned it. The cars will differentiate from the base models of, of BMW very much and to a, gr a greater extent than we've done in the past. The cars uh, look phenomenal, I've seen both of them. And then technology-wise, um, we will offer for the first time all-wheel drive in these cars. Okay. Since uh, not all of our customers live in California with, with no oh, snow. With no snow yeah. uh, <laughs> um, and the power of choice uh, applies to the to power strengths that these cars will have and they will be Phenomenal in terms of uh, performance and and character. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're an enthusiast, you're still going to be able to get a rear-wheel drive uh, car, basically, also not just all like all-wheel drive. You you will still get a rear-wheel rear-wheel drive car. Yeah. You also get it with manual. Manual, okay, perfect. That's great. So um, that's kind of what I had for today. I mean, uh, I'm I'm sure we'll catch up like in the future, next year and the year after. Will be quite exciting for M. And, uh, you know, I wanted to thank you for giving us the time today. You're our first official BMW guest, like, on the show. So we wanted to save that for someone special. Um, guys, thanks for watching and uh, listening, actually. And we will uh, continue the uh, podcast with uh, some other information from the LA Auto Show. Stay tuned. Thanks, Horatio. Thank you. Cool. Okay, so that was the interview between um, Horatio and uh, BMW MCEO Marcus Flash. And I want to say thanks again to Marcus because he sat down with us at the end of the day of, at the LA Auto Show. Um, and he had probably done a million interviews prior to that. And we know he had done quite a few. So he was pretty exhausted. And, uh, you know, but he sat and answered our questions and was extremely kind and gracious. And so we want to say thank you to Marcus again. Um, and I, I thought he gave us some really great insight because there was a few questions in there that I think M fans have really been you know, curious about, interested about, uh, for instance, the standalone M car. That's something that, you know, like Horatio said, we've been asking every M CEO uh, since we started this, and there's been a few. 
Um, but the answer has always been kind of coy, you know. However, Marcus seems to be really interested in the idea of a standalone M car. He, um, you know, he actually spoke with me personally uh, at M Fest in Canada a few months back. And during that time, he had told me that not only was BMW looking into the idea of an M car, a standalone M car, but was quite serious about it. And he, you know, reaffirmed that today, or not today, but, you know, a few days ago in LA, you're just hearing it today. Um, but yeah, so Marcus seems really set on the idea of a standalone M car. We don't know what that car is going to be. As he said, um, they're looking into a few different options, but from what we understand, uh, it seems that the X8M uh, is likely to be the standalone M car of the future if such a car is made. And if you're wondering what that is, uh, it wouldn't be based on a you know current BMW product, hence the standalone M car. Um, and there obviously isn't an X8 in BMW's lineup, so it would be something like a giant SUV coupe, uh, you know, with a ton of power and you know sporty suspension and all that. And that's something that we've heard uh, from some sources at BMW. Now, we don't know if that's absolutely going to be the case. We don't know if that's the only thing BMW is looking at. But from what we understand, the X8M uh, is likely to be the standalone M car if one is ever made. Honestly, um, I would prefer that not to be the case because I think we're all sick of gigantic fast SUVs. Um, honestly, I think BMW M should do something along the lines of like the Alpine A110, or something like that. Give us a small, little sporty, mid-engine, you know, sports car, rear-wheel drive, light, manual gearbox. Give us something like that. You know, give us something really, really special, really, really unique to the M division. Um, don't give us just another bloated SUV. That's just my opinion. Uh, BMW M is going to do what's going to work, what's going to sell, obviously, and giant, fast SUVs sell. They also make a lot of money. You know, they're very profitable vehicles, so it's likely BMW goes in that direction, but we kind of hope that maybe BMW M thinks they should go in a, a smaller, sportier direction. Like I said, uh, something like the Alpine A110 would be just the absolute dream. <clears throat> but let's talk a little bit more about some of the other things that we saw at the LA Auto Show, because it was a really, really interesting show. BMW had an interesting display. Um, the M2 CS was there, and that was obviously awesome to see. Looks better in person than um, uh, in photos. I was a bit critical of its design uh, in photos because it doesn't seem like, it, or it didn't seem like it had much that you couldn't get on the M2 competition from BMW's M Performance Parts division, like the aftermarket, not the aftermarket, but like, you know, the uh, after sales parts. Um, but in person, it looks really good, and the carbon roof is really cool. And I, I really want to stress the carbon roof is important because BMW went through development money and development processes to, to create a carbon roof for a low-volume car that isn't going to make them a lot of money. So it's really awesome that they did that. Um, but aside from that, it just looks really cool. You know, 444 horsepower, manual gearbox, rear-wheel drive. It's going to be an awesome car. Uh, you know, it's lighter, sharper, stiffer. It's going to be a fun car to drive, and we're really, really excited about it. BMW also had something really interesting there. They had the M8, the M8 Grand Coupe, but they had, um, it's called the first edition. So it's, you know, going to be the first X amount uh, made, a limited edition run, um, and it comes in a very specific specification, and that is, it's called Diamond Green Metallic, the paint. 
um, and it's this really really cool green but what's most interesting about it is the headlight color the actual headlights are yellow and it's very odd it's very different and it's exactly like we saw on the concept car from last year and it was interesting because as we were walking up to the the BMW stand I remember thinking to myself from a from a distance is that the concept like I was really confused I was like is that did BMW bring the M8 Grand Coupe concept here why would they do that but then as I got closer I was like wait that's not a concept that's a production car it looks exactly like the concept and it was wild like the, the color is the same the yellow headlights are the same and BMW stressed that they wanted they got such a positive reaction from the concept they kind of wanted to make a special edition of the M8 that looked just like it and not only did they do that, but it looks fantastic. It's an awesome-looking car. Um, you know, it just it just looks so unique and so cool that it had even non-BMW fans really impressed with it. It was a really, really cool car. That, to me, honestly, was actually the coolest part of BMW stand. Because everything else, like, while the M2CS is awesome, we already kind of knew what it looked like, and we knew it was going to be there. So um, it wasn't... It, it was awesome to see, but it wasn't, like, something crazy special. Um, the M235i Grand Coupe we saw for the first time um, in person without camouflage, but uh, we've also seen it, you know, in pictures and stuff, so it really wasn't any different than um, than we expected. But um, the, oh, also the Mini GP, the Mini John Cooper Works GP, that was really cool to see in person. It's a car we've been waiting a really long time to see. Made its uh, North American, actually made its worldwide debut uh, in LA. And just a really, really, really awesome car. Those carbon fiber fender blade aerodynamics are just awesome. And uh, the giant rear wing, so it's just killer. It's awesome looking. Uh, what a cool looking little car. And I just can't wait to drive it. It's unfortunate it doesn't come with a manual gearbox. That would have been absolutely perfect. But still, it's going to be a riot to drive. And I can't wait to drive that. 302 horsepower, um, 332 pound-feet of torque. Uh, just a really, really cool car. Really excited about that. There was also some a lot of other interesting cars there. Um, for instance, the Ford Mustang Mach-E, uh, what a weird car. It had gotten a ton of press uh, leading up to the LA Auto Show because, well, it's a all-electric Mustang crossover, so it's a bit odd. And I was really skeptical about seeing it because, one, I don't like the fact that they use the Mustang name on a crossover. I think that's absurd. The car itself is actually great, 300 miles of range at the, you know, at the top end. Um, for the GT, you know, it's really quick, you know, 0-60 in like a little over four seconds. So it's going to be fast. It's going to be probably fun to drive. Uh, the interior is great. And it has, you know, like I said, 300 miles of range at the top end. I think 230 miles of range at the low end. So it's uh, it's a really impressive car. But I just hate the, the Mustang name. And while it looks okay, Mustang styling cues shouldn't be on an SUV or a crossover. You know, the Mustang is a legend. It's an icon of the American automotive industry. And slapping its iconic name and styling on a crossover is uh, really upsetting, actually. But having said that, it is a cool car. I just I fear that we're kind of on a slippery slope with the Mustang name. Like, uh, I can just envision their like Mustang becoming a trim level for other Fords in the future. So, like we could possibly see like a Ford Explorer Mustang edition and that really kind of upsets me. So, um, but that aside, it was a really impressive, interesting car and I'm glad Ford has made it because it, it puts a really good electric crossover 
on the market from America, and I think that that's really cool. And one that you could actually, like the average customer can actually buy, because it's going to be within between the forty and sixty thousand dollar range. So a lot of average customers can get into one of these things, and have you know a very impressive electric crossover from America. You know the only other one from America that's like that is the Tesla Model X, and it's you know a hundred grand. And let's be honest, it's a bit absurd with its falcon wing door things that never work, and uh, it's it's having some issues. So it's it's nice to see a real mainstream automaker come out with an electric car like that from America, and I think that's really cool to see. I just wish it didn't have the Mustang name. To be honest, though, and this might upset some uh, BMW fans, but I think the most impressive stand in LA was Audi's. Um, not only was it the first one you saw when you walked in the door, they were literally right in the front. Um, but they had five North American debuts, and all of them were really, really impressive. Uh, chief of which being the Audi e-tron Sportback. So it's really like a coupe version of the standard e-tron all-electric SUV that we've seen in the past. We actually drove the standard e-tron a few months back, and it's a really good car. You know, it's it's not sporty or fun to drive, but you know, it boasts 200 miles of range. It's extremely luxurious. Uh, it's just really, it's a really nice luxury SUV that just so happens to be all electric. Um, so the e-tron Sportback is basically the same thing, just, you know, with a little bit different body style, uh, looks a little sportier and it has slightly more range due to Audi making a couple of tweaks like to battery capacity and things like that. So, uh, it, it was a really interesting car. looks really cool. Has a nice interior, surprisingly spacious in the back. I want to say, um... Again, this might upset some BMW fans, but Audi does the coupe SUV game better than anyone else because you sit in the back of an X4, and I'm short, I'm only like 5'9", but even I struggle for headroom in the back of an X4. I sat in the back of the e-tron Sportback, didn't struggle for headroom at all. You know, uh, Audi seems to be able to make that roofline much sportier without impeding on headroom as much as anyone else. And I'm including Mercedes in that and anyone else who, uh, who's who been doing this whole coupe SUV thing. It seems that Audi does it better than the rest. But the coolest car from the Audi stand was the RS6 Avant. And what an awesome car. I mean, 600 horsepower, or 591 horsepower, 600 PS. And, um, you know, 590 pound-feet of torque, twin-turbo V8, all-wheel drive, and it's a wagon. You know, it's awesome. It looked fantastic. Um, even BMW fans, we've been getting a lot of interesting, uh, positive feedback from BMW fans about the, the uh, RS6 Avant because it just looks awesome. Its interior is great. You know, wagon body style, basically 600 horsepower, really fast, really, really, really cool car. And it's interesting because... Audi knows, and I was talking to some Audi reps while we were there, Audi knows they're not going to sell any of these. They're barely going to sell any at all. Um, and they know that. Same with Mercedes. Uh, how many E63 wagons have they sold in America? Which is something that's actually on sale in America that I think a lot of enthusiasts forget about. It's because no one buys them. you know. But both Audi and Mercedes are willing to sell them because the few enthusiasts that want to buy them can get them. And it's something that's really cool, and I think it just adds to the brand prestige because it shows that these brands are willing to do something interesting and cool uh, just for the sake of enthusiasts, and I love that. I really love that. But BMW refuses. BMW says they will sell anything that customers will buy, but it seems to 
kind of forget the enthusiasts that will buy some of these things. I know they won't sell a lot, but if Audi and Mercedes can do it, why can't BMW? And it's kind of frustrating. Like, what's really frustrating is that Audi and Mercedes are willing to sell these fast wagons in America, where they're certainly not going to sell any of them. But BMW won't even sell them in Europe. Like, BMW won't even make an M5 Touring at all. Uh, you know, in Europe, they'd probably sell pretty well. Like, the E63 Wagon and the RS6 Avant actually do pretty decent in Europe. But BMW won't even consider an M5 Touring, and that doesn't make any sense to me. And what really doesn't make any sense to me is that they've done it before. The E34 had an M5 Touring, and so did the E60. The E61 had a... Uh, there was an E61 M5 Touring. So BMW's done it before. Why won't they do it again? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, especially when you see competitors that are not only selling them, but selling them in America, where there's basically zero market for them. Uh, only like half a percent of the enthusiast market is going to buy these cars, but it's awesome that they'd sell them there. So seeing the R6 Avant in LA on American soil was really, really, really cool. It was both really exciting as a car enthusiast and really frustrating as a fan of BMWs because it shows that you know some companies are willing to take that chance, take that risk, and put some really cool cars out there for enthusiasts while BMW just is too afraid. And uh, you know, So it was both exciting and frustrating at the same time. <clears throat> so yeah that about sums it up from the la auto show i mean those are like the real big highlights um you know the m2 cs the uh ma the m8 grand coupe uh, first edition the audi r6 avant and the mustang mach-e those uh those are my highlights of the la auto show i mean there were some other cool cars there too the porsche Taycan, of course was awesome to see uh, it was a Taycan 4S, which is cool, not the Turbo and Turbo S, you know, like the more reasonable models, which I actually want to talk about real quick before we go. Um, the Taycan 4S is about the same price as the 911, yet it's more powerful, faster, has two more doors, two more seats, realistically, because while the 911 has back seats, you can't fit humans back there, but you can fit adults in the back of the Taycan, um, and it's all-wheel drive. So... For the same price as a 911, you can get another Porsche that handles just as well, but is faster, all electric, and has two more seats and two more doors. I mean, for the same price, how do you buy the 911 at that point? I mean, you really have to be a diehard petrol head or die kind of person to pick the 911 over the Taycan because they're both the same price, but the Taycan offers so much more car and it's all electric. You know, it's the future. Of performance cars and I think that that's just awesome. That's, I think that's an awesome job by Porsche to put that in the same price range as the 911. Also risky because it might cannibalize some 911 sales which is the brand's icon so pretty interesting to see that there. And to be honest all of this electric talk is a bit disappointing uh, as a BMW fan because you see so many car companies doing really interesting things with electric vehicles. Porsche Taycan right there you know, competing with its own 911, its own icon. So that's wild to see. Uh, the Ford Mustang Mach-E uh, is a really interesting car, you know, comes with a, a ton of great specs at a great, reasonable price. So interesting. Then you have the Audi e-tron Sportback. There was a cool Volkswagen all-electric wagon concept. Um, there's a lot of really cool EVs there, and then you see BMW with nothing. And yeah, BMW says, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, we're working on it, but it's just kind of disheartening to see, um, you know, nothing coming from the BMW stand, nothing electrified. Uh, in fact, I saw a few reps from 
of rival brands coming over there looking for BMWs with plugs, and the only <laughs> BMWs that had even plug spots were the uh, X3 Hybrid and the 3 Series Hybrid, and neither of them were even plugged in. So it was like BMW wasn't even trying to show off that they were hybrids. It was kind of sad to see, to be honest with you. But, you know, we'll, we'll see, because BMW supposedly working on some interesting stuff, uh, you know, in the future, so we'll, we'll see about that. But yeah, so the LA Auto Show was really interesting. There was a lot of really cool cars. Um, we got to talk to a lot of really interesting people. Marcus Flash, I want to say thank you again for uh, sitting down and talking with us on your very, very, very busy day. So uh, you know, that was LA, and we have some more guests coming in the future. So uh, you know, stay tuned. We have some interesting people lined up. We don't have dates, you know, set yet, but we are working on some very interesting interviews uh, for our podcast in the near future. So stay tuned, and thanks for listening.